0: Is tea on the commode a proper place to dine? You might be surprised at what this has to do with taking care of mom. Stay tuned. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional, and financial strain does not have to be your M.O., Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for, and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight. There is a better road ahead. Hello, everybody. This is Nancy May, doing it best with Care Success. And you know, every show I start out with, oh, this is the best guest ever. Well, I think this one is going to be the best guest ever, so <laughs> hang tight, because I just love Mark's story. Mark Poro is an author, an actor, a creator, and probably one of the most important roles in his life is he was a caregiver to his mom, Genevieve. He is now in the south of France, a native-born New Jersey boy, as uh, a New Yorker in in our state of the world where I grew up in in that state region. Life is different if you're not from there. But it's pretty special as far as I remember growing up. We're going to dive into a little bit of Mark's story as a caregiver, which I think is interesting because most of us think about women and the adult daughters as caregivers, less so, I think, sons and men. I think you're going to be very touched by what Mark has to share and some of his stories in his new book as well, which is called Tea on the Commode or a Cup of Tea on the Commode. And there'll be a link to that book as well, which is coming out on Mother's Day, which we are going to air this as close to that date as possible. So, with that, Mark, thank you for joining us. And more importantly, thank you for sharing your story, which has brought laughter and tears and a little bit of, you know, heart palpitations
1: as I was reading it. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess, yes, good. And, and also, sorry. Yeah, it it, it took me, uh, I, I don't know if you got to the very end, but it took me several years before I could actually write it. I took note and uh, shot videos and a lot of photographs of uh, my uh, time with my mom, which is uh, I guess, a span of about three and a half years. But boy, it, it's, uh, I still have a tough time reading it. If I do the audio book, it's going to be very difficult. I, I just get very emotional when it comes to family. So, so, uh, the whole experience was a gift it was um i don't know if uh, i think maybe the acting experience helped but when i took on the job i said uh, you know you cut off the the mother son yeah. thing uh as best you can and it's like get to the work and yeah. uh deal with the emotional stuff later or outside the room possible other than being the parent to her and and that was interesting a uh, role reversal
0: well, you know, I, my feeling is on on that whole role reversal parent versus child is, and this is my personal belief is our our parents are still our parents. The type of service that we do to them or for them is just another expression of love that that they give to us going up and they're still mom and dad. They're not our kids. That's my belief. So I'm not criticizing you for it, but I get it. You know, it's hard because they're so, I don't want to say incapable. It's the only word I can describe of, of sometimes just doing things for themselves, little things like going to the bathroom and washing and dressing and all those delicate things that you think, is this, is this okay to do? It's, it's like mom.
1: Yeah. well, you got, what
0: do I touch and what don't I touch? <laughs> kind
1: of right? <laughs> well, as you read, there were no boundaries, apparently um, you do what you got to do. But yeah, I mean, what- my
0: dad told what our, our lead aide, you know, Millie at the time when she first showered him, he says, well, I guess you've seen one, you've seen them all. Just go for it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's, I mean, sense- <laughs> that was, that was the story, the, right? the sense of humor is the best. I mean, you need that it's either laugh or cry or try to just i guess shut down the emotions which it, it, it is is difficult to do but I was fortunate both of my parents had a very good sense of humor senses of humor and uh fortunately they they passed that that on to their kids so uh uh that came into play That's good. Quite, quite often yeah.
0: I think sense of humor goes a long way. But I sort of want to dive into quickly, you're one of six siblings, and that can be kind of hair-raising when it comes to decisions, uh, life decisions, on what stays, what goes with your parents. And everybody's got an opinion when you've got sisters and brothers.
1: Especially with our, our family, Yes.
0: Right. And and everybody has a different relationship with mom and dad, my sister, myself included. So what were some of the things that you might have expected or didn't expect in those relationships? And how did you go about solving?
1: I think all of us, the six kids were all very independent. We've all owned our own businesses. And I'm not sure if that was a fear of employers employing us or not. So everybody I think we trust each other, but there, there is, and I, and I write that uh, in the book. If, 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 there's a problem to be solved, and there's more than one or two of us in the room, friction will will uh, ensue. So yeah, it's natural yeah, with siblings, um, right? I happen to be the tallest. I'm the fifth of the six kids, and I'm the tallest. So uh, maybe they uh, they yielded to me because of that. Not, not really. but I guess I was the one that volunteered to do this. My older brother lived close, and he handled all the finances for the family uh, all along. But he took charge of most of the stuff. And, I, and one of the reasons, other than rescuing my mother, I think, from the... The current caretakers, which is another issue. I wanted to get uh, a lot of the responsibility off my brother's shoulders because it was quite a bit. Because he had to do the hiring of the the caregivers. Because we yep. mom was at home, and um, so for uh, a total, I guess of like five and a half years, we had people living in our house, um, mm-hmm. not so much caregiving, but uh, uh, seeing the house and cleaning and, and the basic things that uh, we didn't want mom worrying about anymore. So when I came in, I think everybody was okay with it. I had
0: ah uh, oh, relief is here. Like you came in on your white horse from California and
1: I believe so. Yeah. And I had the time, I mean, I had a, a business that I, that was uh, struggling to keep alive in LA but I was able to go back and forth between the coasts every few weeks to to keep that alive at that point it was mostly uh an online business so it was it was mm-hmm. we were able to do that and I I was willing to do it so I had the time and I made the choice I said this this is more important no matter what was going on yeah. and I didn't have any of my own children I didn't have any uh, relationship, at least that I knew of, uh, that was keeping me in California. And mom was important, and we had a long history of uh, being through some rough waters together. And I think maybe because of my acting life, I was very curious and had a lot of questions from my parents growing up. And I don't know if the other, uh, if my other siblings had that or not. But they're going to be surprised by a, a bunch of the stuff in the book because I, uh, well... I had no filter uh, <laughs> with my, with my, my parents and. And I say at the end of the book, I said, uh, I'm happy. I was with both of them when they took their last breaths. And I don't think we left anything unsaid because I was curious and asked them questions. And they opened up to me about things that I don't think the other kids knew. They soon will. And we'll see what happens. But they were, I think, a special relationship with with both of them because I was concerned and curious. That generation normally didn't talk too much about their personal lives. No, and, and the no. relationships and 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 all that stuff. I have a, a chapter in the book called "Mum's the Word," and that's uh, the the refrain. They would, you know, when anything uncomfortable came up, that would be pretty much what they said.
0: It was not discussed in that generation. Right. It was, you don't talk about money, you don't talk about earning potential, you don't talk about family problems in 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 the world, and everything was sort of, I guess, buried mm-hmm. out back. Well, you're from New Jersey, so buried out back seems appropriate. <laughs> Hey!
1: (laughs) Rumors. These are terrible rumors. None (laughs) of this is true.
0: But you left, you were out in California, you left your job, you left your home, you had, you left your girlfriend You and brought it out back East, which is, is interesting. I saw a play, a one man play by Jonathan Lithgow in, in New York, just before we moved down South. And it was called Stories by Heart. And he talked about similar situation where he stopped acting. And he stopped all those things because his siblings said, well, you're between gigs. This is easy for you. It's not a problem. Right. Yeah. And I think that sometimes those of us who, and I have my own business and I have my own business while taking care of my folks, it was easier for me to almost physically pick up and do things assumed by my sister and other family members. Yet it's not because we still have to be able to tell people around us, I can't do that right now. Just give me a moment. I'll get to it tomorrow. Clients and friends and colleagues as well. My personal belief is that as entrepreneurs or creative people, we probably are more vocal on that, know how to how to have those conversations and hold people at, at bay a little bit when we need to so we can get the work done that's more personal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that's correct yeah. or not? Well,
1: not so much with my siblings because I, I, I just kind of took over and they seemed to yield. They even asked a, a few of them, which is really strange, and also nieces and nephews would ask permission to come over and visit Interesting. because it was like now my house. And my child. And it was like, no, Uh I don't want you guys to feel that way. You come over whenever you want. Do what you want. Stay overnight. You know, I'm doing what I'm doing, but I'm not taking over the whole place. It's not my castle. So, yeah, I I think they made it very easy for me. And then when I totally rebuilt the house during this time also,
0: To make it easier for mom to, to, for caring for her or?
1: And also making it, uh, it was pretty rundown, and I wanted people to come back because it was a very cool house growing up and very inviting. And I think because of the the caretakers that were there for the three and a half years. Before you got there. Yeah, probably three and a half before I got there. And then I had to deal with them for about seven or eight months of living in the house with them legally, Mm -hmm. we could not get rid of them by uh, New Jersey law. They were in there long enough where we had to work out a deal. And that was very stressful. And and they did not like my mother. My mother did not like them.
0: So they were sort of like squatters. They had squatters rights, basically, to some extent.
1: Yes. And when I I did call them squatters at one point, because there was, uh, we had an agreement. We say, we'll let you live here. Or at this point, we had an agreement. We said we would go for, we would let them stay another six months, which was very generous. Not Mm -hmm. Not in their eyes, because they they would have stayed there forever.
0: And taken over the house in some cases. I've heard horror stories all of a sudden that, you know, the house was granted to caregiver Johnny or Susie. And now you try and contest that. I
1: believe they were, that's where they were hoping for. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we finally, I mean, there was no joy in the house. They kind of let it run down. And I wanted to uh, spruce it up. So I did a complete top to actually start at the bottom, bottom to the top rebuild and then people started visiting again people started uh grandchildren started staying overnight
0: it was home it, again it right it was our home yeah
1: yeah it was the poro house once again which was lovely so mom liked that yeah it was the poro house so people came and stayed and we had parties and then we started i made sure that we had christmas and easter dinners there again and thanksgiving Important. dinners and and celebrations for birthdays and stuff like we used to do so it was uh
0: Life was normal, except mom was kind of on, you know, the edge, the, the far end of life, right? As much as it could right. be, you know, normal. Right. We, we just you know there's frailty does come into play. when You've got a lot of people around. It's, it's hard. But um, but she loved but, it
1: because she was a very sociable person. She didn't talk, right talk nut, too right? much in the last uh, few years, but uh, she loved my father always admired. I think he said your mother could strike up a conversation with a tree. <laughs> she was just amazing. Um, so, which was probably true, and especially if the tree was on sale.
0: Yeah. What What, what were some of the things that surprised you about yourself and in jumping into this role that you never expected that you could possibly even do? Oh, good question. I guess. Hmm. 'Cause we're put in these roles at these the stress points in, in our lives and that's the only way I can describe it, because they are stressors. You know, all of a sudden now you're the matriarch or the patriarch, even though your parents are still around. And you have to step into a, a family leadership role that you never did before because it's, it's your family. But mom and dad were always the strong ones that we went to, even if they were weak at some point in our lives. It's different. And I think that the emotional as well as tactical things that we have to do sometimes are are a little shocking. We didn't think that we could do it or that we, you know, we just jump into roles that we never expected to happen.
1: Yeah. I, I think the thinking, you remove the thinking, you just do. You say, okay, this needs to be done. Let me do it. And then after you may stop and think, you go, oh my God, this is my mother and I'm her son. But you can't let that get in the way of the work. You got to do the work. I don't think I thought about it too much. And part of that might've been denial. Because if you think about it too much, then you you start realizing, okay, this is your mother and she is dying. She's dying. Yeah. and it's not going to be very long and we try to make it as pleasant as possible and as long as possible but those are there but you you push those back i push those back as 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 long as i could so again to to, to get back to the, the job and the job was the focus was to make the simple thing for me was if i can make her laugh at least once every day i'm That's i'm a good, good. One. And uh, we are pretty successful on on most days.
0: I think that's a, a an admirable goal that we can all strive for because, like we said earlier, without a little bit of laughter, every day becomes really this dark, looming, heavy cloud. And you know, it, it, we're all. Good. I hate to say, you know, the old cliche is, "We're all going to get there someday." It was like, well, I can over my dead body if I can help it.
1: <laughs> or literally right. over. Your
0: it's like, well, maybe it is going to be my dead body. Yeah, but. <laughs> But um but it's it but it's tough. You know, the the laughter makes it a little easier, even even heart wrenching at, at times. But caring for ourselves is also a, a tough thing because everybody says, Oh, take care of yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. And and I used to say, Well, you can kiss that one goodbye. Yeah. But did you look at, at things like that and say, Well, God, you know, when am I going to get some relief myself? Or or did you even think about what can I do to relieve some of the stress other than a little bit of joy and laughter for mom?
1: Well, so for the first seven months, I had those caregivers or caretakers that is more appropriate. So those were they the, were in the, the house.
0: They the care, not the not caretakers. Right. <laughs> they,
1: they took Well, I don't, know, I don't want to say it. there was a, a lot of dark chapters in, in the original drafts of the book about them. And then I wanted to make it or everybody else, the publisher wanted to make sure it was more about me and mom and not not the dark side. So that might be another yeah. book.
0: And there are dark sides for those who are listening. Just just know that you're not alone when it comes to the challenges and taking, you know, dealing with caretakers or caregivers or not caregivers. But that's a very difficult time of life because we have people that are not family members who are coming in to do a job or not do a job well. And I just want to just make that comment that you're not alone in challenges that go on in that space. And we'll do other shows on that, but I just had to say that one little thing I had
1: a thing where I said uh, when I embarked on this journey my I, I had no idea my mother would be the least of my troubles
0: right sometimes that's and true once
1: they left uh, uh, a lot of the stress left but about taking care of yourself when um, when my mother first shut down I, I said there's she tried to die very early on right after her 89th birthday and um, everybody came back because we thought that was it And I think she was just so unhappy in her life, she just kind of willed herself. So she was like in a semi-coma, self-induced semi-coma for several weeks. And my little sister and I always made sure we took breaks because we were, we kind of took over as much care. Hospice was there, but when they weren't there teaching us what to do, we were were doing everything else. So it was almost 24-7 for us. But we always made sure we went out and took walks and for stress relief and 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 took our little breaks. But then a few months later, when I jumped in and took over completely, I didn't do that. I said, ah, I can take it. I can handle it." and
0: I'm tough, I'm strong i'm the I'm the guy yeah
1: <laughs> but I, but when i I started off with the renovation of the basement, and I did put a gym kind of for myself. I bought a rowing machine and I had some weights. And it was, I kind of made the man cave because I knew I needed some stress relief. There was a lot of stress relief while building it because I was able to just beat the crap out of the uh, the walls and the two by fours and stuff <laughs> like that. And that was kind of like getting out my uh, stress from the, the people upstairs. So that helped a lot. But it got to a point where uh, you got to listen to the pros. You do have to take care of yourself because there's a reason that people in the airplane say when the oxygen masks come down, don't yours first before you help your child because the caregiver has to be in good health and in good spirits to take proper care of their loved one. It got to a point where my mother almost outlived me. I don't want to ruin the chapters too much mm-hmm. or make it too much about that. But I literally almost died from, I had diverticulitis that became infected. And, and they said I was probably a couple of days of that. If that went into my bloodstream, I would have been gone. And I had no idea. I just kept Doing the job, even though I was very going through all this pain, but it, t- it took about three or four days before I took myself to the emergency room, and then, then it was like, oh no, this is really bad. So take the breaks, and and after, so
0: it's interesting. They they say almost forty percent of caregivers die before the person. Oh, <laughs> they're taking care of it's. It's a very high. I mean, seriously, it's a very That's high scary.
1: number. That that it-
0: and. We've got, you know, physical ailments that, that come into play because we're not physically taking care of ourselves. The gym is a great one. I used to do hard workouts because I knew that that worked the stress out of me, even though I was 1,200 miles away from mom and dad. It's a different kind of stress Yeah, yeah, yeah. than dealing with it, the hands on. And when I was here, it was almost easier when I took over and I wasn't here all the time. But when I came to visit, it was to me, it was like a relief because I could see them. Mm-hmm. And I could at least have a second sense of peace that, okay, they're asleep in the other room and I'm asleep here. And this is, oh, you know, we're family again. It's all as good with the world. Yeah. <laughs> but the intrusion of the ca- I wouldn't say intrusion of the caregivers, but it's the best word I can describe it. they weren't really firings. So I just like, but there's no more room for you in the schedule. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of thing. Well, yeah. right? <laughs> we went, we went through a lot and when there wasn't a right fit and it wasn't doing it good, it was. It was hard, you know, the every every single one to me was just another dagger to my heart to say, oh god, I've screwed up again and it's not our fault. You know, the the emotional emotional the physical and the financial stress is hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's in in
0: reality and to hear it from you know a male perspective is very helpful because those of us who are women who are typically charged with this role, you know women are caregivers, not the guys, the guys go off and kill the animal and drag it home, and we chop it up, and make it all look good, kind of thing but it's 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 important for us to know that the other sex deals with similar situations like we do, so i you know I appreciate that thanking you know, thank you for sharing that. What are some of the things that that you think creative ways that that you got around dealing with some of these other other challenges and just making the time with your mom and and her life a little bit more joyful?
1: Well, let's let's go to the the the, the title of the book. So, my mother's favorite beverage was a hot cup of tea, skim milk, no sugar, and so uh, we had our morning and evening visits to the commode. We had a bedside commode. And sometimes uh, those took longer than either one of us really wanted. And so, uh, but little soft music, you you can't, you can't, you don't want to rush nature. So uh, uh, I offered mom a a cup of tea one day while she was sitting on the commode. As I I say in the book, it was a hit and it it made her time more pleasant and uh, and there was no rush. So it was like, it's like sitting down, having a, you know, watching TV with a cup of tea. So that would that was nice. And then kind of like a two-year-old with the toilet training, right? I, you know, he's just a different nature. Different yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I, I never talked to her like a child or tried to I never really you know. teeter, treated her like a child, but it's, it's kind of the relationship because uh, by the time I got there, she, she couldn't walk. I mean, it had to be carried or wheelchaired every, everywhere. So when we went out if we went to the car or i brought her upstairs or downstairs to see the renovations it was always the carrying uh, which was was fine and she seemed to be fine with that she had a little bit of uh, the the queen treatment in her but another thing is she loved when she was younger
0: well as they say it's good to be queen yes
1: well for her yes it's not so good to be the servant but she she had beautiful long hair and beautiful long natural nails uh growing up before She had her six children and uh, she always kept the long nails, but the hair got shorter and shorter as the kids would, would come. So a treat for her, special treat for her. She went to the beauty parlor once a week had a manicure and a perm and a, 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 perm in a or a set a wash and a set and that was her her weekly treat for herself. I don't know when the last time she had that, but I remembered uh, that she enjoyed it and once in a while I went to the beauty parlor with her and watched her. So I created what I called the day of beauty. So on those days originally it was on a Sunday, but she was a good Catholic and and maybe change it to Saturday because you don't work on the Lord's day. And so Day of Beauty was uh, every Saturday, I would give her a special treatment. She always got a full sponge bath in morning and night, but I washed and shampooed her hair. I I did her nails, paint, you know, freshly painted nails, a massage and a moisturizer. And we soaked her feet in Epsom salts and um, other little things.
0: Oh, I'm going to move in with but you. The,
1: but the hair, <laughs> very good. But the, and this, uh, you know, I grew up with three sisters, all had long hair and stuff like that. And my mother's hair was at this point long. She had a long, when we, when I made a ponytail, it was probably about eight, eight or nine inches long, which was great. And she loved it. And it was, and it was beautiful. Her her hair was gorgeous. So I washed and shampooed her hair and I would either make a ponytail special days. I would braid it. I think I even attempted French braids once in a while. And, uh, and then she got her red lipstick to match her red nails. It was, I mean, her reaction was uh, lovely, but then, um, and, and I have a chapter in the book. So the first time I did this, I didn't know how special it was. I just thought I, I want to treat my mother uh, in a special way. I'm wheeling her after we did the um, commode and a and fresh dress and, and, and clothing. I put her in the wheelchair, then wheel her into the kitchen for breakfast. And as we wheeled her in in the dining room, we had a big mirror at the uh, front wall, and I'd wheel her in, and she she stopped. I to get, get emotional whenever I say this, but
0: okay, we, we stopped.
1: Uh, I stopped the wheelchair in front of that mirror, and she is just smiling from ear to ear, and I leaned in and and had cheek to cheek, and I said. Uh, who is that pretty girl? And she's just beaming. The effect of this small gesture was profound to me. So day of beauty was every Saturday, but I believe every morning I stopped by that mirror and asked her the same question: Who is that pretty girl? And we think these things. Um, I think we don't care about the tree. I don't want to say just your, our, our mothers, but you know, when was the last time they felt beautiful? and really appreciated. I mean, and it's it's if you saw the look on her face, and I'm sure that the tears coming out of my eyes, I mean, it was amazing. It was like, there's no doubt that this is going to be a consistent thing. And this is no doubt that I've got to share this story, because I think it could inspire a lot of other people to do this. Because as happy as she seemed, it, it just filled me with such joy. And I guess pride for, for luckily coming up with that whole thing, and that that was was born out of, I think, my mother's treatment of all of us and those little special things that she did growing up. So if we can return those favors, uh it, it makes a, it, it makes a big deal. And it was you know probably selfish on my part too, because I got I may have gotten more joy out of it than mom, except for the rinsing. the rinsing she hated it It, even though i covered her with towels when i had to rinse her hair you know we couldn't get her to the bathroom so it had to be done while she's on the commode she did not care for that but we did it fast and then did it with uh, warm water and the end result was very good but there were moments where she's like (laughs) even in the the, summer the
0: the temperature changes in the water or bath time for anybody at a certain age becomes very i guess yeah yeah and I think there's a certain level of anxiety of just the texture, I, I call it, of, you know, the water from the, the head. You know, my mom would always scream like, oh, 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 yeah, and then she'd, uh, she'd calmed down. It's like needles, I guess. It.
1: Yeah, that's...
0: I guess I don't, I don't know. So I guess we won't know till we get there ourselves. And hopefully, you know, just say, please, you know... Long time, long Give me the grace to make sure they don't scream yeah, <laughs> or whatnot. But beauty is, beauty is... Uh, Beauty is more than skin deep, as they say, right? Yeah. And those little those little stories and things. I think it's it's important for everybody listening to know that diving back into our our own childhood and relationships with our parents can really help us find what those little those little special moments are that can can make us stronger. But also, I would say just bring together those private moments that we have with a parent or a loved one. And they don't have to last long, and they can be five minutes, they can be sixty seconds, but just a smile and a, a connection. I mean, mine, mine, one of mine with my dad was I called them letters from camp because my dad would send me letters at camp, and he could nobody could read his handwriting, so it would be the, the all the cabin, everybody would get together and we would try and translate. And tr- what did dad say? I find his notes now and I'd say, what the hell was he writing? And he'd write lists and do things, and he'd send me this, these hand scratch. Sorry, hon, I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm writing because he would type with a, you know. One peck off fingers, so every week I would do letters from camp while he was down here in Florida and, and, and aging from home in Connecticut, and I'd do a newsletter every every Friday and Saturday, and I'd send it off on Monday with photos that took place in the week and what I did, and I made up stories and I did embellish a little bit.
1: That's so all <laughs> That's so loud. You know the
0: spring flowers and the tulips coming up on. Park Avenue in New York look a little bit better than they might have looked in the rain or whatever else. And I say, remember when we did this and what was going on? And he looked forward to the, the AIDS thankfully saved every single one of those. Not that I didn't have them on my computer, Mm -hmm. but they saved every single one of them. So we've got stacks of them. And when, when I missed one or it was a little late, they'd bring out an old one and start reading them the stories of what happened the week before or a month before.
1: Those are great. So
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they they always they always touch my heart as I as I send them off, and sometimes you know, a tear to my eyes. I'm writing them, thinking, God, I remember when. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you no, know, as as you get to a certain point in time, and and you know that there's those final days are coming up. My biggest fear was not being with my parents when that happened and missing it. Not that I wanted to see them go, but just not being there. At least to say I'm here with you, if, if not not verbally but just physically. What were some of the things that you felt when you kind of knew that there was no turning back? And what What did you do?
1: Well, I experienced the first with my dad. So my my dad died 17 years earlier than my mom. We at, at that point we had uh, family reunions. Uh, every summer, and we had after your dad passed. Or, no, or before, before he passed. Yeah, they kind of we kind of stopped after he passed because he was the he was the nucleus of those things. Mm-hmm. So he had heart disease. Uh, so he was in a seven year battle of that. Um, so our last reunion was up in Canada. As we said goodbye, you know, I gave him a big hug, and uh, he said to me, "I'm not long for this world." That was tough to hear because you know he's the. He's the guy, he's your dad, and he's admitting that he's going. And uh, so we say goodbye. And, and, you know, I had dreams before that of, you know, wake up and you go, oh, I heard, you know, my dad's going to go at some point. And it was just heartbreaking. So I went back to L.A. And then uh, a couple of months later, my brother called um, and said that the doctor says he has 30 days. So mm. uh, I flew out the next night and I get there on a Thursday morning and he died on the next Thursday. So he had eight days. Uh-huh. I was with him most of that, uh, that time. And and near the end, I don't know why I think, again, because of the curiosity or something, I said, I, I will be with him. And I, again, I took over a lot of the duties because we didn't uh, with my dad, we didn't call hospice. He was at home. Uh, He didn't want to be, uh, he did outpatient heart treatments because he didn't want to be in the hospital. And so he and my Well, you can do
0: hospice at home now. I mean, maybe not back then, but you can do. hospice. Well, we could have done, but we
1: didn't need it because we were there. The kids were there. And then I was there. And then um, he died on a Thursday. So I think we called hospice for the first time on, it might have been on Tuesday or Wednesday before he passed. Yeah. And so they come in and the, the woman was, it reminded me of, okay, let me tell you the story. So, oh, so hospice comes and they do their assessment. Mm-hmm. And we knew, our, you know, my, again, the kids were there, we're taking care of them. There's nobody who could have taken. Very better. clinical and business-like mm-hmm. the, the process. Yes, but yeah. he he was not in any major pain. It's uncomfortable because of the heart disease. He couldn't breathe uh, very well, so but he wasn't in pain. And uh, she does her assessment, and then comes into the kitchen, and my sister and I are there. And she says, "She's almost ashen," and says, "Your father is in grave condition." And we said, "Yeah, we know." No, no, no. Your father <laughs> is in grave condition. And we said, "Yes, we know. That's why we called you." And and she she couldn't make the connection. And then she. And what does grave condition mean to you? Yes, and then she. So she called up social services and had a, 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 a social worker come in because she thought we were crazy because of our reaction or not calling hospice sooner, and what,
0: like like elder abuse, I guess,
1: or or, or these people are in major denial. Part of it was uh, my again, at this point, it was uh, my little sister and I were in the kitchen, when we met with the hospice nurse, she thought we were just gone. And we were, I guess, in denial and making jokes. Because, that, because that's how we we got through it. Sure. And so uh the social worker came in, and then she tried to talk us and, and I was making jokes. And, blah, you know, my father was <laughs> the night before he was making jokes. So this is how we all dealt with this situation. So yeah. Um, anyway, so the last couple of nights I slept in his room with him. Uh, he didn't want anybody there. He didn't want anybody to see him suffering. Um, but I slept in the, I snuck in and and slept in the room with him. And so
0: I slept with my mom too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it, it it just, again, that might be selfish on our part. Or It feels good for us. We want them to know that, that they're not alone. And it's okay. If you, if you go, we're going to be fine you did a great job with us. We're here. We're going to be fine. And uh, you are, you are free. I promise not to screw up going go forward.
0: There. Dad. <laughs> well, I'll try. Yeah. I probably will, but I try not to screw up too much.
1: So with, with my dad, um, uh, the last words I said to, you know, he was, uh, you know, they go through the whole process, the dying process with the fish out of water breathing and then the, the breaths get longer and longer in between and, um, I had one grandparent that I knew my pa- mother's parents died before she was married. So I had my grandmother, my grandfather died when I was one. So I never really knew him. My grandmother was great. And that was my dad's mother. And I said to him, I said, boy, you know, to my, uh, I was with my older sister and, uh, we're sitting by his bed and, and I said, boy, he looks a lot like his mom. He looks a lot like grandma. So I said, say hi to grandma for us.
0: Oh, and that was, that it. was
1: it. And, um, or we thought it was it. Book. And I call hospice. One more
0: thing before we yeah. go. I call hospice
1: and said I think he took his last while I was on the phone with hospice. He started breathing. And they said, they said, oh no, 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 he's going. It's just his body is fighting. It's fighting yeah. as best it can. But
0: I'm not dead yet, yeah, don't call. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, give me a minute. So yeah. he wanted to encore, so he had to encore. Anyway, that was it. And I was with him. And then I kind of made a promise to myself that I would I would be with my mom. And so uh, with mom, it was not eight days. It was three and a half years, but still it was, you know, there's no way. So the last five nights I stayed with her holding her hand until early morning. And then um, Marina, who was helped out at that point after I had my uh, uh, surgeries, would come in in the morning and bathe her and change her. And then I mm-hmm. would get a couple hours sleep and then right back to um, sitting by her bed, making sure everything was uh, good, and she wasn't alone. So whenever she opened her eyes, I wanted to make sure she saw a smiling face. And if she did need any, I think we had some coffee ice cream a couple of days before she passed because that was her, one of her favorite treats. It's it's somewhat surreal, you know. Going through it with my dad was uh, was good preparation for it. Uh, with mom, it it took a lot longer, but it's it's a it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to see the transition, and then when she did pass, all this stress on her face from I guess fighting death just yes. goes away. It melts, and her, it's amazing. Her right? complexion seemed to come back. She looked to me so much younger than she did just five minutes earlier. It's a beautiful. It's sad and 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 somewhat surreal and and. Uh, but it's it's beautiful, and I'm I'm glad I was there for both of them.
0: You know, you you mentioned that from from what I hear, you know, every death is different. You know, you, you, nobody can prepare you for exactly what to expect. But you mentioned how the color seemed to come back into your mom's face. I had the exact same experience with my mom. She looked she was gray. She was her face was purple while she was dying. Her her face was totally disfigured. His her nose was sort of flopped over. It was like there was no bone in her in her nose you know she looked she looked as gray as the sheets could possibly be and you know I slept next to her every night and held her hand and there was two other aides my sister and I we all took turns and including making dinner from one another whatever comfort food we knew that we loved the most we all made we all made sure that we were all happy and comfortable and we we're mm-hmm. making sure that everybody that was there was family period yeah. end of story but when when my mom passed and I I've, I've shared this before in other episodes it was after the funeral home came and put her on the the gurney and the girls had, had they wanted to wash and dress her and and send her off so that they knew she was okay it's you can't say she's okay she's dead yeah. but, but it's the best as we could we could do so I, I couldn't physically do it, but the, they did it and they wanted to. And that was the best gift that I could have for both myself and my sister and my mom and my dad. But after they put on the uh, the gurney for the, the funeral home and she's tucked in and they said, take your time saying as long as you want to say goodbye. And I looked at her and she looked like she had makeup on. She was gorgeous. I mean, she was the most beautiful dead person I've ever seen. And I don't see a whole lot of them, so. <laughs> but I couldn't believe, like, this is mom. Like, why couldn't you look that good before? Yeah. Like, what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's the 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 fight. There was a. Uh, it might have been. The- but
0: that the body, that it's almost like you know, color and freshness, and it looks like she had she had makeup on, and she didn't. Yeah. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen, and Dad just looked sad you know i'd say you know dad looked like he was sad he was sorry that he left
1: Hmm. so you wonder if yeah if there was my mom seemed to want to go wanted to go for a long time i think but my dad you know up to like the the two days before he said boy i've got a you know i don't want to die i got a lot to live for I got a lot of things my
0: dad was like
1: that so maybe that's why he he looked sad you know
0: but my dad was 99 so a little different wow But yeah, he said he wanted to live to, he wanted to go to 120 and then it was 102. We got to 99 and 47 days. But I think, I think his biggest sorrow was probably that he'd miss my mom. And I think mom's feeling, I'm going to guess, you know, we're putting ideas into, into their heads and thoughts was that she was going to be with, you know, the love of her life again. And, and he was going to be with her if there isn't again, we don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, we hope. I, I hope there is.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, are there any sort of last things that you'd like to share with anybody? Um, I think you know, like stupid things that people do that we shouldn't do, or <laughs> or or the good things that maybe we just need to think about to be a little bit more gentle on ourselves and those that we love.
1: Wow. Uh, I I would just say do it. A lot of my friends. Uh, that heard about what I were, was doing were saying, "Oh, you know, you're a hero." And I'm, no, I'm not. This is no. This is the right thing to do. And I, I was lucky enough to be able to do it, but it's a choice. I'm going to do this. And this is, the, 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 that's it. I'll make it work. No matter what we have to do or whatever this, if they're sacrifices or not, you got to do it. Boy, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing to do. And she was funny. She was a very, she, she was good. We had a uh, one of the funny things. Your mom
0: was, sounds like a pip, as they say, yes. right?
1: <laughs> okay. One of the things I, I may I may ruin some of the the, the book things, but the um... well,
0: I'm going to recommend everybody buy it anyway oh,
1: because
0: I, like I've read the galleys and you have to you have to read this because it's going to make you smile. It'll bring a little bit of tear to your eyes. But I'm going to tell you, anybody who reads this book will say, "Oh my God, that's bringing stories back of my family too." And oh, why didn't I write that down? If you haven't written your stories down, just take a piece of paper, a book, just write all those crazy little things that happened in your life and read, read Marksburg. But I, I just had to say that before you go okay, on. So, good.
1: but, but do, because do, I'm, r- I'm a fan. Do write those things down because you, you don't know what you're going to do with them. It may be a poem it and maybe nothing, or just, you know, if you're feeling uh, nostalgic some night, you, you go through this box of uh, memories or notes or something. So
0: makes you feel better. I always
1: write everything well, I've been writing for a long time, and I'll figure out what to do with these things at some point but uh I, I keep all the notes and uh sometimes it's a card, sometimes it is a poem, sometimes it's a short story or a book or a film or 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 you don't know what it is, but those those lovely uh memories and thoughts anyway so one day um my mother did suffer from uh, depression, and at one point, um, we had a doctor that actually made house calls, and the last year, uh, which was lovely because at, at that point, uh, mom, the
0: hospice doctor, no, no, a,
1: well, regular... I, I think it, we got a call. I moved back in 2011, and we got a call in 2013, uh, and a nurse mm-hmm. said, "Hey, would your mother like a doctor who made house calls?" And at that point, yeah, her doctor cut her off uh, uh, that when she shut down and hospice came mm-hmm. in. Doctor never talked to her again, never. but That, that happens a lot. Cut off all meds, all, all foods, and we're done. This woman's gone. Yeah. So mom, except for digoxin, which was for her heart, she was medication-free. And before that, probably 13 medications prescribed. Wow. So now medication-free for... Two years, over two years, a lot of sherbet, a lot of oatmeal, a lot of sugar, <laughs> but she was doing great. And, Nat- natural you know, medication, <laughs> yes. And um, uh, we're looking for endorsements, Gatorade, and Ensure, uh, and uh, the coffee, ice yeah. cream. Um, so uh, this this uh, hospice nurse came in, and she was lovely, and she uh, her and, and she had all the tests, including X-rays, and all uh, samples, and all that's all done at the house because there were a couple of times I did have to take mom to the, for a various doctor appointment and the stress and strain of that probably did more harm than good getting her in and out in the wheelchair and that whole thing. So it was lovely to have this woman, but at one point she whispers to me, she goes, I think your mother has Alzheimer's. <laughs> and I, sorry for laughing. And, sorry. And, and at that point, you know, my mom was 91 and I said, Oh no, I don't think she had Alzheimer's. Now this is, the same woman who couldn't remember my name for several months until I taped my name uh, in big block letters onto her bedroom ceiling. So when I came in the room, she would look up and say, oh, hi, Mark, but I denied it being a good son. And I said, oh, no, no, she doesn't. And she says, well, I would like to do some cognitive tests. And so I agreed to the test. And so I sat there and I watched my mother go through these tests and they were, she did very well. One of them was, you know, the doctor would say, what time? Uh, Put the hands on the clock for this time I'm going to give you. And my mother would do that. She gave her five words uh, for short-term memory list to do, Uh, count uh, back, I think, from 100 by sevens and a few and some drawing tests. I'm not
0: sure I could do that now myself. Yeah. So. <laughs> and,
1: and some drawing tests where she had to draw backwards. And I, she did great on everything except maybe for the the, uh, the list. And so when we were done, I said, Mom, you did great. And so the doctor says, no, I, I, I think my original assessment is correct. And so I turned to my mom and I said, Mom, you don't have Alzheimer's, do you? And Mom looked at me and she said, I don't remember. <laughs> And I just, oh my God, whether she knew what was going on or not. I said, that was perfect. It was a perfect answer. So she was, she was a kick. And one other thing. So I, I, another day, oh, so the doctor did, because uh, mom did have some bouts of uh, depression. She did give her, um, I think a small dose of Zoloft. And so for the first few weeks, I noticed no, no difference. And then one morning she greets me with a smile goes, why do you treat me so well? And I'm like, Aww. they're working
0: my mom would say the and same it, thing to the girls and I said yeah. well
1: because you're my mother and you deserve to be treated like a queen and she burped and I said <laughs> but queens don't do that and she looks at me and she says how do you know
0: <laughs> my mom probably would have said this one does. yeah
1: so it was good so she's spilling royal secrets so it's terrible
0: so.
1: <laughs> So those, those little moments and sometimes just sitting there holding her hand in silence. She didn't say a word and I didn't say a word. And just uh, she responded very well to touch at, at, at all the time, even when she was in the semi-coma state. And that's lovely just to have those uh, those quiet moments of connection were huge and very special. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. it, it, it's I, I think people hopefully I'll inspire people to, to at least more people and maybe more men to do this. Because it was uh, it, it was a joy overall, you know, stressful at times and, and challenging sure. certainly, and all that stuff, and 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 sleep deprivation certainly. But overall, I I wouldn't have changed it uh, for the world, except maybe make it a little longer. That would have been fine. But um, yeah, um, she.
0: I think it's different if we're taking care of a spouse or somebody else, but a parent. It's a each relationship is is different that we have with somebody that we love and we care for yet the connection between a parent, especially if it's a good relationship have to add that caveat because not a good relationship with a parent is good yeah. yeah teaches so much more about ourselves and 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 life lessons that we can take going forward no matter what we're doing whether we're still employed or have family of our own but I think that that in general, caring for somebody that you love can teach us some some very surprising things about ourselves, and about life, life, and and about those that we're caring for. And every every moment counts. Like my old adage is like every day counts, right to the last breath, whether it's yours or somebody else's.
1: That is so true. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Mark. This has been a great conversation. If you can't tell already, I am a fan of a cup of tea on the commode. And we'll have a link in the show notes to it. I highly recommend it. It's It's going to teach you a lot. Just, I think, about yourself through somebody else's eyes. So... I promise you it will bring a smile, a tear, and uh, it's going to be something that you'll want to keep and pass along to others as well. But don't do that. Tell them to go buy their own book. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) On that note, thank you so much for being here with Lee Mark. I appreciate it. Absolutely my pleasure. um, I'm thankful that you're a caregiver so that you could share your story with us. And one more thing before we go, as I always say, If you like the show, please share the gift of a link to a friend because it's an inexpensive gift. In fact, it costs nothing. So in this day and age, it's pretty easy to do. And ideally, hopefully it will show that you love them too because it's your gift to them. And this is my gift to you. So thank you. We'll see you soon or we'll hear you soon. Bye bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright Caremanity, LLC.